Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Women in Weightlifting podcast. I am joined tonight by Shannon McCamus. Um, we are without Jess tonight. Jess is changing positions at her job, and so we'll be off for at least probably the next couple of weeks. Um, so, Shannon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, I know we've been, we've kind of been talking offline about what you're doing, and and I kind of just wanted to start with that. So, explain what your degree is or what your what degree you're working on I know you haven't finished it yet so I'm in my third year of the doctor of plant medicine program uh, at the University of Florida and it's a pretty unique program there's about there's two schools uh, in the country that have a program like it so the University of Florida and then also the University of Nebraska has a similar program and it's kind of a professional doctorate that is um, really focuses on educating graduates and students on all the different aspects related to growing plants in an agricultural setting or ornamental plants or maybe even a nursery. So just all the different aspects of it. And it's um, focuses more on like the applied side of things as opposed to like a PhD where you might um, get really focused on one particular research topic. It's more like a um, MD or doctor of veterinary medicine, where it's, it's all about the big picture and kind of a jack of all trades and being, um, how to apply that knowledge. Okay. So you were talking to me about how the program is broken up, which I found to be super cool. So if you can kind of talk, talk through that process, um, for our audience, uh, that would be great. Yeah. So we kind of have, um, four or five key areas in our curriculum, um, and they're all um, focused related to plants and um, the different factors that grow into how you grow plants and produce them. So a big one is entomology. So if you think about insect pests um, and how different insects have to be managed, then we also go into plant pathology. So all the different diseases that affect how plants grow, how to manage those diseases. And then um, another big group is plant, soil, and weed sciences. So all about um, how the soil affects those nutrients that grow into that um, the plants use to grow. And then also the, the physiology side of things. And then we also talk about um, nematology, which uh, I never really knew much about nematodes before I was in this program. Um, there are these little tiny worms that you don't even what see. What is a nematode? <laughs> yeah. So if you if you look really closely, some of them you can see with your um, unaided eye, but a lot of them you, you really want to scope to see. Um, and um, some of them live in water. Some of them live in the soil. The ones that I learn about live in the soil mostly, and then they uh, go and feed and nibble on those plant roots. And then plants don't really like that too much. And then the growers, especially if you're trying to grow plants, really don't like it because um, it just causes a lot of issues for those plants because they can't really produce any roots and can't feed themselves all those nutrients in the soil. So I guess the inevitable question is, how did you get started in, what, what gave you an appeal to like do this as a job? Um, so that's kind of a long story. Um, so I was, a once Great. I graduated... <laughs> when I graduated high school, um, I was full force like, oh, you're going to be a medical doctor, you're going to get into med school, be a surgeon. Um, and then so all through undergrad, it was all how can you do look so good to look in med school, get in 
um, you want to be volunteering, you want to be doing all these different activities. And then I got to my senior year and I was like, wait, I've been shadowing these doctors and I think it's kind of boring. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and it just wasn't for me. And I'm glad I realized that because I had like taken the MCAT and applied, started applying to schools. And then I had about a year of, wait, what am I going to do? I don't know what I want to do. And um, my, my family has um, a small herd of, of cows. Okay. And so I've always been around agriculture and that kind of lifestyle. But my dad, he's always looking for those that really good deal. And he found a tractor um, on sale off, off of a government auction. And we had a, he got a good deal on this tractor that we needed, apparently. Um, he, he likes to collect tractors. <laughs> but, so need is kind of a strong statement, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we went down to pick up his tractor and it was actually located at a University of Florida research station. And I'm like, wait, what is this place? What, what do they do here? And um, come to find out they're just, they're all these scientists that are working for the university and working on solving um, all these issues that the growers are facing right now and like, as well as future issues, how to improve different things. And I was like, man, this is so cool. I wanna get into that. And so then I started looking around. Um, I was so close to my um, finishing my bachelor's and it was in biology, so it was pretty generic. And so I finished that. And then I started looking around for grad programs and discovered agronomy, which is another obscure word that I normally have to explain. <laughs> um, this is a common theme. And it is, agronomy is kind of like the, the horticulture. So like the horticulture is more like um, vegetables and fruits, maybe some ornamental plants, but agronomy is all about those row crops. So that, that rice, the corn, all those crops, those staples that you are really feeding people. And I really wanted to make a difference with, with feeding the world and helping people in that way. And also um, the, I really, really love being outside. And I was like, oh, you get to do all this field research, you get to be outside. I'm all about that. And so I came up to UF for my master's in 2017. And um, which was, was really, it was a really great experience. And then at the end of it, it kind of le left me with a little bit more question than I had answers. So I was like, well, I know a lot about peanuts in this specific system, but like, what about the soil nutrients? What about the plant pests? What about the diseases they have to deal with? Like how do these growers have to, they have to deal with all these different factors going so that they can feed the, the people of this country. And then I found the doctor of plant medicine program that answers all of those questions. And I was just all about that and um, have been all in since then. So you've already, so you've got a master's in agronomy? Yes. And then, and then you have, <clears throat> what a lot, you have a, a doctorate in plant medicine. Is that a, so is that four years on top of your master's or just two? Um, it'll be about three because three. I came in with a master's and yeah. they were both at the same institution. I got to some of those credits transferred. So 
lucky me, not not quite the full four years. Yeah, that's just a lot. It's a lot of school. So what's I mean, what is the the plan when you graduate? Um, I'm trying to keep my options open. Um, I really want a career that's actually helping implement those those changes and helping growers implement better practices that can save them money and also um, help the environment as well. And there's a bunch of different ways to, uh, that I know I can do that. Um, are you familiar with the Cooperative Extension Service? I am because that I, I was in 4-H when I was a kid. Okay, yeah. So 4-H is one of those. Um, mm -hmm. for, for the listeners who might not be as familiar, it's a, um, whole agency uh, or program that I think started with Abraham Lincoln and the land grant institutions. And it's all about getting that research um, that's happening at that university out to those people. And so that they can actually use it in their everyday life. And um, that's sometimes the 4-H, there's like consumer, like family consumer sciences are, is another one. Um, and then they have a lot of agricultural research too. So. I definitely like the idea of being an extension agent and um, helping educate growers and helping them deal with those, um, any of the issues that pop up because there's always, always something new. So, I mean, like you hear about various pests and things that are going on with like, I live in Arizona and of course the, the, the pine forest, the ponderous pine forest in Northern Arizona is being destroyed by some beetle. Um, is that is that within the scope of your research or is that much more specialized? Oh, no, that's actually, it's funny you mentioned that because that's actually um, how I'm funding my program. I'm actually uh, coordinating a outreach program right now called Florida First Detector. That's all about invasive um, species and stuff okay, like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's all about um, that because that's another big thing. And there's a lot of regulation that goes into like, you know, there's, there's some pests in California that we do not want in Florida. And so there are certain things where it's like, okay. Would that just be the people or? <laughs> well, there's also some pests in Florida that they do not want in California. That's right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that travel ban would go both ways, but you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're totally fine. Um, but yeah, it, so that's. Yeah, you were talking, you were talking about the, like, trying to keep pests like from spreading from California mm -hmm. to Florida. So what kind of things would you be, what kind of things are you looking at doing on like your end on that, on something like that? Um, so the program I work on right now, I coordinate these different workshops. And so we actually go around uh, Florida and in these small groups, um, we're actually having our first in-person one in a couple of weeks. And um, we yeah. actually go over how to identify them and some like specific species of concern that aren't necessarily here yet, but we want to see if they're here. And, or whenever they do get here, we wanna, we wanna know sooner rather than later because there's this little window of if a new like insect ha has arrived that might be a problem for tomatoes or something like that. We wanna know that it's here because there's that small window where you actually could potentially eradicate that pest before it establishes and then you don't got to worry about it until it, it comes over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 you make an interesting point. I mean, you can eradicate it, but how do you keep it eradicated? That's a lot of that is education. Um, so 
the state of Florida recently eradicated the giant African land snail from down in the Miami area. Really? Yeah. Okay, I, 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 am, I, I actually read about that problem a couple of years ago. Yeah, so, and it, that's actually, I think the second time the states eradicated it because I think in the 60s, a little boy was in Hawaii visiting or just seeing everything and then came over to his grandma's house in Miami and was like, look at this snail, it's so great, and let it out. And so in the 60s, that's what happened. So we had all these snails out around. And um, my favorite part though about the giant African land snails is they have snail detector dogs. So they have these dogs that are specifically trained to go and smell out snails around people's yards and different uh, natural areas. Um, but yeah, they, we've been able to eradicate that and um, preventing that it's a lot of, um, you know, education of people not bringing in pests, um, especially mainly unknowingly. Uh, Florida, we get a lot of tourists. So if you bring something in um, and sometimes there'll be like the brown marmorated stink bug um, will cling to cars. And then when you drive down into Florida, it'll be like, oh, this is a nice place. I think they'll stay here. And um, so we get a lot of uh, invasive species that way too. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like that would be an overwhelming project to try and keep invasive species out. I mean, just- Yeah, I, I'll stick to just uh, telling people about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, <clears throat> we've got, they're always trying to get, there's some muscle apparently that they they try and keep out of the lakes in, in the Western United States. And it's just a never ending battle to, you know, to keep them from invading the, the various lakes because they're just destroy the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the invasive species problem is really interesting. I just, I mean, I find it because it is something you read about and it destroys massive amounts of, of, of crops and in, in our case, the, the, the forest. Um, so what, I mean, like what other kind of fun stuff are you doing? You mentioned that you're working in a couple of labs. So what do you, what else are you working on? Uh, so the other project I'm involved in is I coordinate a field trial looking at tea plants. So if you think of like the, the black tea or green tea that you'd be drinking, that's the, the plant that produces those leaves. Um, and we're trying to look at it as a alternative crop in the state of Florida. And I'm looking at some couple different varieties, seeing how they do against the insect pressure, against um, disease pressure. And then I'm also looking at um, some different ways that growers could manage the system and see if um, how the soil and the nitrogen cycling actually is involved and if that might um, make the system a little bit more sustainable in the long run and a couple different aspects of that. Very interesting stuff that you're working on. So just random question. Do you, do you like to garden? I mean, do you like to grow like fruits and vegetables oh, like that? I do. I just recently got a place where I can do that though because I was living in my apartment in a little apartment, like a little balcony that was shaded the entire day. Um, now I have a house with a yard that's shaded the entire day, but <laughs> it's a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I I've, unfortunately haven't been able to do that as much as I uh, would like to, but we're we're making strides towards towards feeding my my uh myself out of my garden well shannon that is that is super cool um 
you know, it's it's something that is definitely off the beaten path for uh, most of our most of our listeners and most of your fellow lifters. Congratulations on you know finishing as you finish your doctorate and get out into the into the world. This should be, I'm, I'm very interested to talk to you in, in the next couple of years about what kind of what what you end up doing. Um, so anyway, well, well, we'll kind of launch from that into you know back into our our weightlifting world. Um, so. We know how you got into uh, into plants. How did you get into weightlifting? So that's another very typical, I'm a Florida girl. It's in the weightlifting. Well, I guess a version of weightlifting is actually a high school sport. Mm-hmm. And it's bench and clean and jerk, which I really did not appreciate bench. If it would have been snatch and clean and jerk, I would have been much more competitive <laughs> while I was in high school. Um, yeah, so I think actually I started with I was on um, the local news channel had something about some weightlifter breaking a world record and I was like oh that's interesting I didn't even know that was a sport and then like the next week my high school is looking for girls for the weightlifting team and I was like okay so I wandered into the weight room uh never found my way out really <laughs> and competed in high school and I really wanted to make states and then medal at states and then um, I took I actually when I got first got to college I never really competed as a junior which I never realized what a tragedy that was yeah, I was like that is extremely afterwards. unfortunate <laughs> and I played rugby for for a year at the University of South Florida um, and then aren't you a little small for a rugby player well rugby is pretty neat so they don't have weight classes but they have so many different positions okay um and i definitely don't have the build especially not then uh, i was definitely still as a 53 back then um to be a forward but the backs um they actually are those um they're typically a little bit smaller, faster, and they're the people who try to move the ball a little bit um, using speed as opposed to right. like just that brute force. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, but I, I got that a lot where I was the one all the way. They I played, um, the main position I played was wing, which is like, if you ever see them line up, it's the one all the way at the end and probably usually the smallest one. <laughs> Right, they're not going to put you in the middle of the scrum. No, no, that's I, I can't complain about that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not good for the uh, not for the good for the brain to be doing that a whole lot. So, yeah, and that that's one reason I um I had a couple injuries where one time I had it was the uh, like a cartoon with like the goose egg. Yeah, and I, I I hit another teammate. We both went in for the same tackle and um. I, our, I gave her a black eye and then I got a goose egg and I was just feeling my head. And then I looked at my coat and she's like, you get off the field right now. And then everybody was asking me all these concussion questions. Mm-hmm. And one person asked what I ate for breakfast. And I told them three bowls of frosted mini wheats. And then his response was, that's a lot of cereal. And I was like, okay. I'm just, do I have a concussion or no? (laughs) (laughs) No, you just eat a lot. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you you played rugby for a year and then you, and was that the only sport you played in college? 
Yeah, yeah. And then I, after that, I um, uh, mainly because of the injuries and, you know, my, I appreciate my, my brain power. Um, I wanted to protect that. So then I went back to weightlifting and I've been competing, I guess, since I think that was 2016, maybe 2015. Well, um, yeah, because you've been, I mean, you've been competing in weightlifting since 2012. Yeah. And sometimes I get asked if I'm a youth athlete. <laughs> <laughs> um re really oh yeah a couple years ago i think when i got pulled for drug testing they're like you're not a you're not a minor are you and i was like wait oh, wait no no yeah no i'm not <laughs> yeah so how did what i mean how did you manage to skip juniors um yeah i was i i was just in uh at usf and at that time i was taking like 15 credits of a lot of science and um, working part-time job and then I started playing rugby so okay it's unfortunate but eh. yeah it really is because you would have probably had a pretty decent junior career in the grand scheme of things yeah uh, you were <laughs> you're, you as a 50 I mean you were 53 totaling in the you know 155 range it's not I mean it's nothing to scoff at um <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I've got your I've got your your lifting resume up on my on my screen over here, so I can just kind of glance over and look at it. Um, so, what is the like? You've been competing for a long time. What is your favorite moment from competition? Um, let's see. I guess probably my favorite single moment was my after my second, or when I made my second clean clean and jerk at universities in 2020 and I'd missed my opener which I had done the same thing um in 2019 and 2018 <laughs> so 2020 missed the opener wasn't that uh wasn't that wasn't new but at that moment I had like at, when I got my second clean and jerk it was the first time I wasn't really shaken mentally by missing my opener and I was still confident and able to come back from that and then also get my third lift so that was a pretty big moment for me to like that I to show that I'd grown mentally in that and in general I really like it at, I've had it a couple times at local meets when you and one other person are going like back and forth kilo by kilo and that's that's a lot of fun to do that yeah that's fun well that's fun for everybody actually I mean that's you know <laughs> increases the the quality of the overall competition which is always a good thing now have you have you ever have you ever meddled nationally at universities at universities oh uh yeah well and under 25 a lot <laughs> yeah I, was, I, I I kind of assume that you have but I don't actually have that information up in front of yeah, me yeah that's actually so I've been on the I was on the podium 2017 2018 and 2019 um and then 2020 i was finally on the top of the podium which was great because it was my last year <laughs> very nice yeah it kind of sucks because you're still a university student and yet you don't get to compete in universities anymore <laughs> yeah it's a bummer talk to me about your training i mean like what you know you're working on a doctorate which i'm assuming takes a fair amount of time so how does and you're, you know, you've got your two labs going on. Tell me about your training. How many days a week are you training? What is it, what does training look like for you? So right now I train five days a week. Um, I normally train in the afternoons. Um, and 
each session is probably like two, two and a half hours. Um, yeah, I used to train six hours a week and have like one day as a, or six days a week, I should say. Um, and I had more of an active recovery day. And as my schedule got busier, that's, uh, that's gone away where I just try to get some active recovery throughout the day, as opposed to like actually having time to go to the gym, but it's not too bad. <laughs> And then, so what, what are you doing at the, you know, you've, you've got the two hour workout. Are you doing clean and jerks every day? What is your work? What do your workouts look like? Are they just. So they, um, alternate normally. Um, there's two days where the heavy emphasis is on one of the lifts. I do both like snatch and clean and jerk or mm -hmm. some variation of those. Okay. Um, and then it'll shift to those. The emphasis will be on those like two days a week. And then, um, Another two days a week will be squats, like squat dominant, and of course, like accessories, whatever. Um, other fun things, my coach programs. But then <laughs> normally it's always Fridays is the, um, you know, the lifts of like full snatch, full clean and jerk from the floor or some complex of those. Okay. Who is your coach? Uh, Donnie Smith. Oh, okay, very cool. What is your favorite lift? Oh, like snatch or clean and jerk? Well, I mean, or anything else. I mean, you could throw in any other, like, of the accessory work, too. But usually, well, yeah. usually people choose one of the snatch or the clean and jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah, currently, it, it is the snatch, for sure. For the past, like, year or two, I've, like, oh, I've, I've switched. I've been converted from um, being a Florida girl and growing up in the, doing in the it in high school. It's, like, always cleans and... Um, my coach actually always says, you can always recognize Florida girl. They out, they out clean their snatch compared to their competition because they've been doing it for three or four years longer. So what is your, what is your least favorite exercise to do? Oh, hmm, I haven't thought about that. Um, There's nothing your coach programs are just like, oh, please God, not today. <laughs> uh, well, so we've been doing these single legged um, deficit split squats just a long name to begin with. Um, and I first did them in when I was uh, at physical therapy and now they have made their way into the very regular programming of mine. And they are quite brutal because you only have, uh, it's like you're, you're in a split position um, and you're also raised up on, um, we just use plates so that you then squat down and it's kind of like you're squatting like while in that lunge position mm -hmm. and yeah there's there's no um there's no faking it <laughs> yeah because you don't have the floor as a stop yeah so. it and there's no like that like you you can't good morning the squat the squat has to come from your legs and nowhere else and um i was also doing sets of eight which i think is probably uh what's has any biased against them. <laughs> I mean, sense of eight is cardio in our world. I mean, that's, that's a. Well, and that's just one leg. So yeah. then you have to do the other. So it's a set of 16. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're, you're functionally a CrossFitter at that point. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> so how much, how much, what is your best snatch? So I think 75. Yeah. That's what I fit on the floor. Yeah. So you, you've done that. 
in competition, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, the Arnold, um, the, well, it was online last year. Right. So yeah, I've got 75.95 for your your competition best. If you, is that your actual best in Pretty practice? close. That was a really good competition for, uh, for that time. It was just before semester got a little crazy. Um, yeah, that was yeah, a I good hit, day. Yeah. Uh, I hit, that's the closest I've got, I think, to six for six at a national meet. Yeah, I mean, you missed your second cleaning jerk, and that was it. So, I mean, that's that's that's. But not... I went up, so it doesn't really count, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you attempted missed ninety three, and then went up to ninety five anyway, and then hit it. So, yeah, it's kind of like, well, you know, pretty close. Yeah, going six for six at nationals is actually pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yep. in, in any given session, I mean, we might have we might have a person go six for six, but usually we don't have any. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, especially in a competitive session, which is normally what you're in, because you're most of the time, I think you lift in the A session, don't you? Yeah, except um, except at universities, the in 2020, I um, actually chose to lift in the B session and won the title from the B session. Fascinating. Any particular reason why you wanted to lift in the B session? Um, I think I wanted to know, like, it had been a discussion um, between me and my coach, and he was like, you know, if we go to the B session, part of it was it was combined with juniors. Um, right, right. So, so there was a lot of competition in that A session that wasn't my competition. Mm. Um, and he said that, you know, if we if we move to that B session, we know you're you're going to be one of the last people to lift. It'll be just a piece of cake to time everything out. Um, and we just have to post a big enough total that no one will be able to catch. And um, that's what happened. And I was pretty happy with that. I actually is, I think I got my medals. I was in jeans and duck boots <laughs> at that. And I was like, this is different than a singlet. Yeah, a little bit. This is not exactly singlet attire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know, it's, an inter- it, it, it's just an interesting thought because on the one hand, you don't know what lifts you're going to need to take. Um, so you really do have to just go put out best effort all the way across the board. Everybody else knows what they're shooting for, but if you put up a big enough number, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, that was actually, you know, talking about Florida girls and snatch. Um, I think my snatch is actually the one that got me gold for um, and broke. Well, I don't I don't think I was tied, but I got gold and snatch and silver and clean and jerk in one of them. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting plot twist. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Indeed it is. Um, so it, I, I love to talk about mindset with athletes because it's, and, and you'd mentioned it earlier, kind of the, one of your favorite moments in, the, in lifting was uh, kind of reaching that point where missing a lift didn't set you back. So, I, I mean, how do you prepare for like your opening snatch, which it seems to be the, the most high stress lift for most, for most athletes? Yeah, I um. I, I've I've definitely have improved over the years, and I've seen a sports psychologist, which has helped a lot with handling that um, high pressure situation. And one of the key takeaway things that I've got out of um, like those sessions was the idea that every individual lift is its own independent lift. So doesn't matter how that warm-up went could have gone great could have gone terrible which is that's where this this mindset really comes in handy right um 
where, okay, it doesn't matter if my warm-ups, how they went, this is its own independent lift. And it also really helps take away that pressure of, okay, I have to get my opener because if I don't get my opener, then like, am I gonna get my second and third lifts? Am I gonna come out? I have to get this opener. And just to kind of break it down to say that this, this lift is its own individual lift. It's not connected to any of the other ones. Um, that kind of helps me take the pressure off. And I always think about of pushing through my feet is the other <laughs> key. That's the physical part that I uh, try to focus on. And, you know, it kind of brings you out of your head and, and more into your body. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a something to focus on other than what the pressure of what's going on around you. If you just think, okay, push your feet down through the platform, bar comes up, everything's good. So are you, are you one of these people in the back room that is super casual? Are you, uh, you know, off in a corner? What do you, what do you like in the back, in the back? Uh, uh, so I've done the like super intense all the time. And that's those meets that I've gone like two for six at or stuff like that. So I'm like, that doesn't work for me. And um, I like having a teammate in the back to chit chat. And it's kind of like a, I actually have printed out lists of dad jokes because if I'm because I I am a dad joke fiend I love them Seriously. Uh, very, I'm a very punny person and <laughs> I'll pull up dad jokes and read them and because for me I can't be that turned on for like that high strung for two hours it's, right. it's not good. Um, I don't perform well like that. And so really it's, um, you like have fun, it's keep it casual and then you turn it on when you need to. So every time, every warm up lift, um, turn it on, you focus about like, I don't know, a minute um, beforehand, like really get into the zone of visualizing. And um, my coach always says that you don't need to feel strong. You don't need to you don't the lift doesn't need to feel good nothing needs to feel good it's supposed to be heavy <laughs> I'm I'm, like, okay. not wrong. <laughs> all right so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit what is your favorite dad joke oh gosh so one that I always remember is I gotta give credit to my brother um so there's these three guys right and they're walking down like down the street and two of them walk into a bar the other guy ducks <laughs> so uh, it went over your head i'm sorry i hope you cut this part <laughs> okay oh god well i walk into the, it Shannon, that is the worst it's the best <laughs> i mean okay yeah i am a little so nervous i can't come like, up with it oh my it. god really i I do. Okay. The other one I can think of is, um, I steal this from when I drive home, there's a veterinary clinic down the road. And I'm like, right. what, what funny joke did they, did they, do they have this week? And so one of the most recent was, is what is a duck's favorite thing to watch on television? I have no idea. Documentaries. Well, alrighty then. <laughs> so my favorite kind of dad is joke is um, a minister, a priest, and a rabbi walk into a bar, and the bartender looks at him and goes, what is this, some kind of a joke? <laughs> so there you go. Kind of have to de-escalate in the back room and then get 
kind of get focused, lift, come back down. Because um, you're right, and maintaining is, that kind of it is, is hard. It's different when, um, I mean, once you go up, there's also like, um, like when I'm at like my warm up platform, it's a little bit more casual. And then once I get to the actual, like this, those chair, a couple chairs right by the actual main platform, then is a little bit different mindset, um, definitely. But yeah, <clears throat> very interesting. So, I mean, how do you come back? You, you mentioned the, about the missed lift. I mean, what what was the change in mindset between when you used to miss the lift and then when you you know kind of stopped collapsing as as a result? I mean, what was what happened? Tell me about that. Yeah, I think a lot of that um, was um, talking to a psychologist about that and. The whole well, just because you missed the first one, it doesn't matter. Left, yeah. And I also um, have always been like this goes back to being a Florida girl, where it's like, okay, I'm behind in snatch. And as soon as I like see the results for snatch, I know this is a little bit different than missing a lift, but um, I'll be like, I need a big clean and jerk day. Like I have got to perform on clean and jerk. I need to catch up and I need to do one kilo better than whatever they did because um, I'm not going to win that time. And um, that every now and then I can like really channel and get into that mode. And that really helps with, with focusing on clean and jerk and hopefully getting all three. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, good. Excellent. Um, Okay, so is there? Do you listen to any kind of music in the back? Or do you listen to music as you're walking out at all? No, I normally don't. Um, they always have that on the the bio, though. Like you're on USAW's. I don't forget what website. And I prefer. I'd like my favorite thing to listen to is like ACDC while like doing a heavy um, training session or anything like that. Any particular song? Oh hard to I mean just any of them really I mean so Thunderstruck used to be one of my favorite songs to listen to, to listen to when I was lifting heavy because <clears throat> it's just got you know that the beat that just kind of gets you moving but yeah any, any I'm a big ACDC fan myself so um I, I share your enthusiasm there <laughs> um yeah we're actually we're kind of kicking around seeing if we can figure out how to do walkout music for the athletes um I'm not sure it'll ever work because of the timing mm -hmm. uh, because you, you, you just don't have that long to walk out. By the well, time and then you... sometimes someone walks out and then it's like, oh, wait, go back. <laughs> someone else needs to walk out. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you announce something, they start the music and then it's the change in athlete. You're like, okay, this is never going to, there's just no way to logistically do this yet. So yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, all right. A uh, couple of questions, that I, and I promise I, I, will, I will get you out of here uh, at a reasonable hour. Um, all right, so finish the sentence for me. You know you're a weightlifter when blank. When you're the only female to get asked specifically by name from your lab to help move all the lab furniture into another room. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, does everybody look at you like, hey, Shannon, come move this for me. <laughs> yeah, I've had it where they'll be like, hey, I need, you know, Adam and Zach and, and Shannon. We're, we have a big moving day. And I'm like, 
Why does everybody else have? Why me? <laughs> well, because you're probably the strongest person in the entire room. It's, it's almost like having owning a pickup truck. Everybody knows. <laughs> That's right. Everybody knows. Um, so what is the hardest thing about weightlifting for you? Um, so probably the hardest thing has been learning to like cope and process um, the fact that your best day is not necessarily going to land on that day when you want your best day to be. Um, and, you know, just so many competitions, uh, especially at universities where I've been on the platform, uh, I think four times, three times before finally winning the title. And so it's just, I, I was capable of hitting that total any one of those years. It's just um, never panned out. And so it's, it's pretty difficult to like kind of cope with like that, that feeling of, oh, well, like I just really didn't do my best. And you kind of feel like that guilt. So it's hard to process. And I think what helped me the most other than talking to a professional about it was knowing that you're, as long as you've tried your best on that day, that's all you can give. And you shouldn't feel or hold yourself um, accountable for giving your best on that day just because your best day is a very rare time, you know? Um, and it doesn't land up from the calendar when you need it. And that's a bummer. Um, it sucks, but. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting observation because you're absolutely right. I mean, your your best day, unless it happens to align perfectly with, you know, an event, even if you're trying to peak at a particular time, I mean, having ever all the stars align on any given day is just not easy to do. Oh, and then doing that while you're cutting weight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, we, we were talking, and I, I, I forgot to mention this, but because we, we were talking about it before we started the podcast. Um, so you've competed as a 55 and a 59, and it sounds like you're going to stay as a 59, at least for the time being. Uh, I would like to do that. <laughs> um, so, how tall are you? So I'm five, two and a half. Yeah, and that half I mean, matters. For a 55. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was kind of one of those decisions um, while I was still in that under 25 category and university eligible um, that I was like, yeah, I can do this for, well, what really ha happened was it got bumped up from 53 to 55. Right. And that made it doable because probably in 2018, um, that was gonna be my last cut no matter what to 53. They bumped it up to 55. And I was like, oh, I could do this for another year or two. And, um, but then as soon as after I aged out of under 25, I was like, you know what? I've got all the time in the world as a senior. And um, right now being a student, like, I, it's a, uh, I also do a lot of field work, like manual labor a lot of the time mm -hmm. and uh, being able to eat enough to do that. And then also come and train after being in the field for five or six hours is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Do, I mean, do you track macros or track calories at all, or do you just eat kind of whatever you, whatever you want? Uh, now I do. So I, like when I was cutting to 55, I did. And then, um, I started now because I kind of uh, took a year off of just eating whatever I want. And it was a very nice uh, needed mental break to like reestablish my 
um, not cutting food mindset. So if, if you're, I mean, if you're out in the field all day and then you're going and training and you're not cutting, so this would be not cutting, how many calories are you taking in in a day? Oh, so I, I guess I haven't really had, I've just recently started tracking macros. So I haven't really had a day yet um, of like really intense field work, but right. um, I'm sure it'll probably be like, 2,500 at least. I'm not sure. Um, the main yeah. thing is water. I live where they invented Gatorade. And I actually, my funniest story with field work is I was prepping for the University um, Worlds team camp or like their um, the tryout. It was like a weird virtual thing before everything got canceled. Um, and I had just started my new position with the, the T project. And I had mowed, like, it was after COVID. So I was mowing these weeds that no one had mowed in six months. And I was trying to find these plants, these poor plants overgrown by weeds. And I was using this push mower that I had to push. Oh my so God. I'm pushing these, this mower through like two or three feet high weeds in June in Florida, in like Gainesville area. And then I, so I did that from like, like nine to like one PM. And then I went in and hit a clean and jerk PR. I cleaned 95 and, and jerked it from the blocks as a 55. And I was like, wow, maybe this, maybe five hours of sled pushes is what I should do for my training every day. I mean, that would just kill you. How I, I mean, you you just have to have a Gatorade like, you know, IV to get. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's why Gatorade is Gatorade. It's from UF. Yeah, no, and, yeah, Gatorade. I mean, that's that's yeah. actually where the name comes from. Okay, so Shannon, um, last question for you: What would you tell beginner lifter you? You've been doing this for the better part of a decade. So, what would you go back and tell you know seventeen year old Shannon? I would probably tell her to. Find a coach that really believes in you as much as you do, and if not more than what you do. And um, that, like for any beginner lifter, find a coach that you trust and is dedicated um, to the sport and, and to you and can't really go wrong with that. Excellent, well, good advice. Well, Shannon, soon to be Dr. McHamus, um, thank you very much for joining us or joining me, I guess, since Jess is not here and, um, we will see you at the Arnold in, uh, just over a month. Thanks for having me. Thanks.